friends, your host, Billy Dean Shoemate III here, and welcome back to another episode of Strange Places. Thanks for keep coming back. I appreciate it. Then keeps just growing and growing. I'm amazed. This podcast is brought to you by Spotify and DistroKid. I always forget DistroKid for some reason. Sorry, DistroKid, okay? <laughs> but um, as a d- disclaimer, okay, or preface, I should say, to this episode... I made it a point to, because, you know, one of the strange places what we do is with our powers of reason, deduction, and common sense, one of the unique things about strange places is we not only talk about these weird occurrences and supernatural things and odd places and stuff like that, we don't only talk about these things. We, as I said, use our powers of deduction and common sense to arrive at verdicts. I think that's what makes strange places different. I think that's what makes it kind of special. With that said, I made it a point early on to stray away from things of a religious nature. Visitations from religious figures, supposed miracles, things of that nature. And I know I did an episode about the Shroud of Turin, But it was after that episode that I decided to not do things that are like that, you know, of a religious nature. And I didn't receive any backlash from the Shroud of Turin episode. Matter of fact, I arrived at this decision because quite the opposite happened. You guys were so tolerant and so cool and so accepting of... My religious beliefs, which if you listen to the Shroud of Turin episode, I made my religious beliefs very, very clear. (laughs) You can tell, you know, what my belief system is. So I thought that I would extend to you, the listeners, that same courtesy. And I wouldn't, going forward, tackle anything of a belief system nature. Strange Places is listened to in over 30 countries now, and those 30 countries encompass every religion that I could possibly think of. And yeah, it's just, I I always thought it was just the right thing to do, the cool thing to do. However, there is so much that's being left out that I'm noticing. I think that it's a bit, how do I put this? It's a bit limiting to leave things like that out. Religious, as I said, you know, religious artifacts, visitations by uh, historical religious figures, supposed miracles, stuff like that, because there's more than enough of that kind of stuff to go around. So I'm arriving at a decision. (laughs) I'm going to amend this a little bit. We're going to tackle that stuff, you know, when it comes up every once in a while, whenever something like that happens and I feel the need to make an episode about it. But one thing we're going to omit is the verdict at the end. I do think it's very limiting and that's the best word to describe it, really, to not talk about those kinds of things. How can you have a podcast called Strange Places or Paranormal or whatever, you know, without talking about these things? Just affording you, like I said, the the, the respect and the um, same kind of courtesy that you gave me 
we're going to report on these things when we, you know, we're going to talk about these religious centric things when, when we do, we're just going to omit the verdict part. So I don't know if you judged this based on the title, but this is one of those very episodes. This has to deal with the possibility of reincarnation. It's a very, very interesting, very interesting story. It centers around, as you could probably guess, two children. Now, losing a child is the most devastating tragedy that a parent could be called upon to endure. Many never recover from it, and understandably so. The emotional trauma often rends lives, marriages, families, completely destroys them, rips them apart. Now imagine losing two children in a single day to a willful act of malice. That is exactly what happened to John and Florence Pollock on the morning of May 5th, 1957. The Pollock's two daughters, Joanna, age 11, and Jacqueline, age 6, were walking to a church service that morning in the town of, I'm, I'm going to say this wrong, and I apologize if you're from this area, Hexham, is that how you say that? H-E-X-H-A-M? Hexham? It's in Northeast England. With them was their friend Anthony, who was just nine years old. As this trio made its way to the, uh, you know, towards the parish church, a car suddenly emerged from the mist, veered across the slippery road surface, and mounted the curb. The vehicle struck the children at a high speed, driving them into a wall that ran along the sidewalk. They never stood a chance, unfortunately. This terrible thing. Joanna and Jacqueline were killed on impact. Anthony died in the ambulance on the way to the hospital. Despite appearances, though, this was not an accident. Eyewitnesses told police that the driver had deliberately aimed her car at the children, gunned the engine, gunned the engine, I can't talk today, and drove into them on purpose. It would later emerge that the woman was depressed and suicidal after losing her own children in a custody battle. That very morning, She'd imbibed a potentially lethal dose of aspirin and uh, phenobarbitone. She then got into her car, drove around town, intending to crash the vehicle into a wall and end her life. Instead, she snuffed out the lives of three innocent children. She would eventually end up confined to a psychiatric facility. Now, none of this, you know, as you can imagine, was of any solace to John and Florence Pollock. The girls were... They were gone, taken from them in the cruelest, the cruelest possible way. The loss left them broken, grief-stricken, devastated. So devastated, in fact, that John began to indulge in a delusion. He began to believe that his daughters would be returned to him. When Florence discovered that she was pregnant in early 1958, he confidently announced to the entire family that she would give birth to twin girls and that these children would be Joanna and Jacqueline returned to their family via reincarnation. This proclamation was not well received by Florence. The Pollocks, they were staunch Catholics. Reincarnation had, as you know, as you know 
in the Catholic belief system, reincarnation has no place in that belief system. The issue would become the source of a lot of disagreement between those two. Furious fights ensued. For a time, the marriage teetered on the brink. However, Florence should not have concerned herself too much with her husband's, what she saw as misplaced beliefs. John's assertion was that she was expecting twins. She was not. Her doctor had assured her of this. Except, in a bizarre twist of fate, the doctor was wrong. On October 4th, 1958, the Pollock family welcomed two healthy baby girls into the world. Twins. They named them Jillian and Jennifer. John was overjoyed. He believed that his daughters had been returned to him, and he was right. So he thought. Right from the start, he began to seek out proof of his reincarnation theory. See, Jennifer, she had... uh, What is this? What do my notes say? Oh, it was a birthmark, yeah, on her left hip. Jacqueline had a mark in that exact spot. Jennifer also had a tiny crease on her forehead in the same spot where Jacqueline had a scar from a fall. To John, this was validation of what he believed. To Florence, it was inconsequential. She remained unconvinced, although her skepticism would be frequently tested over the years that followed, to say the least. As the girls grew older, it became clear that Jillian was more mature than her sister Jennifer. Jillian had entered the world just 10 minutes before her sibling, but the age gap appeared to be far greater than that. Jillian was protective of Jennifer, almost like in a motherly way. Joanna had been the same way towards Jacqueline. Their parents also noticed other things about the girls, little things that gave even the doubtful Florence Kind of a kind of a pause. They had similar eating habits to their deceased siblings. Jillian liked the foods Joanna had. Jennifer had similar preferences to Jacqueline. Despite being twins, they even had different body types. Joanna had been slender, Jacqueline a bit stockier. The twins seemed to mirror this exactly. It gets weirder. One day, shortly after the girls turned two, they asked their parents for their old toys. Yeah. John and Florence were flummoxed. That's the perfect word for it. What toys were they talking about? Then John remembered that he'd boxed up toys belonging to Joanna and Jacqueline and stored them in the attic. Now he brought down the toy box and he was amazed at how his daughters divided the items between them. Jillian took the toys that had belonged to Joanna. Jennifer took the toys that belonged to Jacqueline. They even started calling the toys by the names that their deceased siblings had given them. Hey guys, you gotta check out this podcast I just found. Like, as soon as humanly possible. It's short, it's quirky, it's hilarious. It's the world's shortest podcast. I couldn't stop laughing and listening. Mike of the Mike's Opinion Podcast started this side podcast, the world's shortest podcast, just for fun, and he has an absolute hit. Check out the world's shortest podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Come on, give them some love, guys. By now, even the skeptic in Florence was starting to be tested. (laughs) 
there would be plenty of other strange occurrences to make her wonder. See, Jacqueline had been learning to write at the time of her death and had a unique way of holding her pencil. She clenched it in her fist. Jennifer had the same habit. Weird. Joanna had enjoyed brushing people's hair, especially her father's. Jillian did the same thing. The girls, on top of all this, were absolutely terrified of cars. They would visibly flinch if they heard one revving up, even across the street. One time, their mother overheard them playing a, a macabre sort of game. Jennifer was laying on the floor with her head cradled in Jillian's lap. I can see blood coming out of your eyes, Jillian told her. The car got you. Another time, Jillian pointed to the mark on Jennifer's forehead and said, that's where Jenny fell and hit her head on the bucket. Jennifer had never, never suffered such an injury, right? But Jacqueline had. Another incident occurred when John donned an old work smock to do some painting around the house. The item belonged to Florence. She'd previously used it when helping out in the family's grocery delivery business, but she hadn't worn it in years. It had been in storage since long before the twins were born. They would not have seen it before. However, the minute that Jillian saw her father in the smock, she asked, Why are you wearing mommy's coat? I don't know why, but that one and the car got you thing just literally gave me chills. That's just, that's weird. Now, many of the incidents mentioned thus far could possibly be debunked by a devoted enough naysayer. However, where things get truly remarkable was when the Pollocks moved back to Hexham after four years living in Whitley Bay. The family had left their hometown in 1959, where Jillian and Jennifer were just three months old. They returned in 1963 when the girls were four. They should have had no knowledge of the place, and yet were able to point out landmarks like the school Joanna and Jacqueline had attended, the church they'd gone to, and the playground that they used to love to play at. There is no possible way that they could have known about any of these places, yet seemingly they did. It was shortly after the Pollock family returned to Hexham that the twins started to lose their memories of their quote-unquote past lives. By the time they reached the age of seven, these remembrances were lost altogether. They would grow up to be normal, well-adjusted children and adults. However, Jillian later recalled an experience that she had in 1981. She would have been 22 years old at the time. The vision that came to her was really lucid, she said, as though she were experiencing it firsthand. In it, she was a child again, playing in a sandpit in the garden of a suburban home. She was able to describe the house and garden in immaculate detail. It was a property that the family had once rented in Wickham back in the early 50s. Jillian had never lived there, of course, but Joanna had. According to her parents, the sandpit had been her favorite place to play. Many believers, or perhaps those who just want to believe, cite the case of the Pollock sisters as proof of reincarnation. But is it really? Might there not be some rational explanation? 
I'm not, like I said, again, we're not going to go into verdicts or anything. I'm just going to present, you know, like we normally do and leave it at that when it comes to belief and religious stuff like that. Uh, yeah, <laughs> a lot of you might think that I'm wimping out by doing this, but, uh, but really, I don't see it that way. I'm not here to stomp on anybody's belief system and deliver a verdict to stuff like that. I'm just not. That's why I strayed away from it after the Shroud of Turin episode. But I think we can do it in a proper way. You know what I mean? I think this is the right way to do it. And leaving this stuff out would just be, it's, it just seems silly to me. We, there's some, <laughs> The miracle of the sun, the miracle at Fatima, you know, the multiple sightings of the Virgin Mother. Yeah, just, there's just so much stuff. Our Lady of Guadalupe, that's one of my favorite stories. Whether I believe in them or not, I'll keep that to myself. But they're worth talking about. So anyway, where were we? <laughs> um, see, this, this, is, this is weird, okay? It's difficult to even start you know, with what the skeptics think. They justifiably point to the fact that Jillian and Jennifer were born just 18 months after the deaths of their siblings, right? At a time when grief still hung heavily over the household. Joanna and Jacqueline would undoubtedly have been discussed both by their parents and by the girls' four male siblings, which I didn't mention all of them earlier. Skeptics say they were likely exposed to a lot of the backstory this way. A slightly more abstract theory is that the twins might have absorbed some of their foreknowledge from their parents. Their mother was pregnant with them at a time when she was still seriously mourning the deaths of their siblings. Emotions like grief do produce hormonal changes in the body, specifically an increase in the stress hormone cortisol. Studies suggest that this can cause childhood problems, such as unwarranted and irrational fears. Then there's John Pollock and his belief in reincarnation. His infant daughters would undoubtedly have picked up on this dizzyingly emotional mix of joy, fear, sorrow. It would be surprising if they were not impacted in some way. For example... Their dread of cars might have come from their parents' own feelings about automobiles having lost their daughters in such tragic circumstances. Keep in mind, these are not my opinions I'm giving you. I'm just presenting it. You know, this is what skeptics say. Such emotions are easily transferred to an impressionable child, they say. But this does not and cannot explain other aspects of the case. Specifically, it falls short of explaining the very precise details that Jillian and Jennifer recalled about their dead siblings' lives. That remains a mystery. In his book, Children Who Remember Previous Lives, of uh, this is it's quite a wordy title. Even I messed it up. Well, that's no stranger. I'm no stranger to that, really. Let's try again. Children Who Remember Previous Lives, A Question of Reincarnation. Wow. Psychologist Ian Stevenson investigated 14 cases, including those of the Pollock sisters. His conclusion was that the possibility of reincarnation cannot be ignored. In fact, Stevenson believes that stories of past lives are way more common than you might think. 
He believes that parents often dismiss these stories as childish fantasies or encourage their children not to talk about them. If we were to pay closer attention, I don't know, maybe we would uncover something astounding. This is a bizarre case, and there's a lot more like it, man. This one does not stand on its own. I wanted to I wanted to do this one first, because once I made the decision that I'm going to start tackling stuff like this, but just in a more respectful way, what were the ones that jumped out to me the most of a you know, kind of a religious belief-centered nature? I just mentioned the miracle of the sun, Fatima, the Lord's miracles. We're going to cover all that eventually. Now, we're not going to do just a huge block of them because I've been sitting on them for a while. We're going to mix it up. Maybe we'll go back to aliens or ghosts or, you know, what have you on the next episode. I don't know yet. But we will tackle these. This one of the Pollock sisters was right at the top. I couldn't wait to do an episode on this one. Ah, We're not going to arrive at a verdict here. We're going to leave this one as it is. And with things of this nature, I'm not here to stomp on anybody's belief system. I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to throw it out there and see what you think. So naturally, these episodes with this kind of stuff are going to be a little bit shorter than normal. <laughs> because we're not going to go into this hunting for evidence and discussion. I could fluff this thing all day long, and we could hit our, what we, we're usually, uh, my goal is about 30 minutes for this show, 30, 35, 40 at the most, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm not good at that, <laughs> and I don't believe in wasting your time, I don't mind wasting mine, I get paid doing this, but I'm not going to waste yours, so uh, yeah, I'm not going to fluff another nine minutes out of this, <laughs> because, you know, we're not hunting for evidence, and we're not trying to develop a verdict here. I'm just going to throw this one at you and let me know what you think. Go on Asylum817.com. That's Asylum817.com for all things Strange Places related. All the social media links are there as well as the link to get to our Patreon account where you can get everything from bonus episodes, giveaways at certain tiers, all kinds of stuff. Ad-free episodes. Yeah, that's a big one. Check it out, all right? Shout out to the patrons, by the way. The Kunkel Homestead YouTube channel, Donald Haynes, David Peterson, I appreciate all you guys. This show would not be around if it wasn't for your patronage. I <laughs> I am dead serious about that. There are some months that you, uh, yeah, you really, really made sure the show stayed on the air, whether you know it or not. So anyway, guys, I appreciate it. Thanks for coming back every week. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I want to give a special shout out to Spotify as well. You... Made a couple moves lately with podcasting and with my show, my other show. Some decisions that were very difficult for me to make, things that I really had to weigh as far as, you know, my way of life and um, what I do for a living and how I do this for a living. And this supplements a lot of my income. And opinions about Spotify aside, <laughs> I want to give a shout out to them. Uh, they have been way more patient and understanding with smaller podcasters like me. Granted, I'm one of the 10%, only 10% of podcasters that actually make money doing this stuff. But, you know, <laughs> I don't make as much as <laughs> Joe Rogan or, you know, a bunch of these other cats. I'm a small podcaster. That's, that's just how it is. And they 
gave me the same floor time. They gave, they listened to me just as much as they do any other creator. So I know you guys are listening to this because as per a couple of the decisions that we're making, uh, you have to, I guess, evaluate a couple of shows. So you don't have to wear any chapstick. I'm going to kiss the ass. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you guys have been great. Thank you, Spotify, for helping this thing go as well. Anyway, guys, I will catch you later, all right? Will we ever run out of strange places to talk about? I don't think so. Because every town has a strange place, and maybe one day we'll visit yours. The Strange Places podcast is brought to you by DistroKid. DistroKid is a music label for truly independent artists. They will distribute and share your music on every streaming platform the internet has to offer. And the best part is that you keep all of your royalties. In fact, DistroKid has made history, marking the first time that an artist on the charts made 100% of their earnings. This is the music industry's worst nightmare, giving indie artists complete control over their art. For only 20 bucks a year, you can upload unlimited music, and with the split feature, you can split a percentage of the earnings to your bandmates. If you click the affiliate link in this episode's description, you get 7% off the first year. But did I mention that after that, it's only 20 bucks a freaking year? I've been a musician for a long time. My music is heard all over the world, and yours should be too. Click the link in this episode's description to not only support Strange Places, but put control of your own music back into your hands. No contracts, no hidden clauses, no lovely coin men in their lovely, lovely suits. Thanks to DistroKid for being a sponsor and giving this old dog an audience. <laughs>